Welcome back once again to Mises Weekends. I'm Jeff Deist, and we're very pleased to have you join us. We're going to take a little bit different tack this weekend and talk to one of our summer fellows here at the Mises Institute. If you're not familiar with the Summer Fellow Program, basically we have young doctoral candidates, generally PhD candidates, come and spend their summers with us in Auburn to work on specific topics in the Austrian school tradition. Uh, many of these PhD candidates are working under Austro-Libertarian professors like Peter Klein, uh, Huerta de Soto, uh, Guido Holzman at Angers in France, etc. And this summer, we're very, very pleased to have students young people from several countries, Poland, Germany, Taiwan, France, Brazil, Guatemala, and of course the U.S. as well. So our guest this weekend is Louis Ronet. He is uh, French, but not Parisian, and he's doing some work here this summer on uh, the French regulatory regime, among other things. And although he's only about 21 years old, he's already a very brilliant young scholar and an emerging force to be reckoned with in Austro-Libertarian circles. He has written several daily articles for Mises.org on subjects like Paul Krugman's love of all things French and on French socialism as it pertains to their train system and analogies to our own Amtrak mess. Uh, Louis and I have an interesting discussion about the deep and long French tradition of liberty, obviously a tradition that's been lost in the 20th and now 21st century. But if you're interested in, in our Summer Fellows program, if you're interested in uh, French liberal traditions, which actually go deeper than Bastiat and Jean-Baptiste say, I'm sure you will enjoy my conversation with Louis. So stay tuned. So, Louis, tell us a little bit, first and foremost, about how you became interested in Austrian economics, how you found the Mises Institute, and how you ultimately came to join us here. Well, at first, I became libertarian thanks to Milton Friedman. Milton Friedman asked, who is this guy uh, nobody is speaking about? And so uh, I watched uh, several of his videos on YouTube. And uh, after I uh, discovered some libertarian websites and Austrian economics, and I was, wait, what is Austrian economics? So I discovered the Mises Institute and, uh, yeah. But you're only, I believe, 21 years yeah. of age now. So you, you must have been a, a young guy, a teenager, when you started to develop this interest. I was 18. Uh, okay. Okay. And it's interesting how, you know, you bring up Milton Friedman. That's, that's a name that we don't hear quite as much anymore. Milton and his wife wrote the famous Free to Choose series. On that topic, you know, we have this image of French politics and French ideology in the West, and, and particularly in the U.S., that's modern, that most French people are very socialist in their outlook. What What is considered fairly right-wing in France would not be so right-wing in the U.S., etc. But as you pointed out in some of the articles you've written for us already, French has a very strong tradition of liberty. There are some incredible French philosophers and economists who carried on this tradition. And it goes beyond uh, Bastiat. It goes beyond uh, Jean-Baptiste Say, for example. So talk a little bit about French libertarian history. Well, it started very early. But even, for example, Adam Smith started to write The Wealth of Nation in Toulouse in France and met with the physiocrats at the time, so Turgot and other French economists. John Adams, former president, was influenced by a French economist, Destude Tracy, who wrote 
treatise of political economy. And uh, John Adams uh, really liked uh, the part on money written by Destu de Tracy. So you, you really have a strong influence of French classical liberals. Even for Austrian economics, it's very important. And uh, the French uh, school of political economy, which now disappeared, strongly influenced, for example, Baumbaber called uh, Karl Munger. Uh, if you read the principle of the economics by uh, Karl Munger, you can see that you have dozens and dozens of French authors quoted by him. France was uh, the last country to really accept the Keynesian revolution. There were like very strong oppositions to Keynesianism, even after the Second World War. De Gaulle was known as being good on money. He obviously gave a very famous speech in 1965 about uh, warning that uh, America's status as a superpower and its reserve currency would cause problems for the world and that we should go back onto a gold standard. And it, it was also in the 60s that the French finance minister, Giscard, called the U.S. dollar's reserve currency status an exorbitant privilege. It's really sort of a ultra-modern trend that France has become, in the mind of the West, sort of a socialist country. It was not always thus, even in the 20th century. I'm not sure the exorbitant privilege was Giscard. Maybe it was De Gaulle or Jacques Rueff. So, yeah, for example, Jacques Rueff was friends with Ludwig von Mises. Mm -hmm. And he was a very influential economist in the 60s and uh, in the 50s too. And so he helped reform the French economy after the Second World War. But in general, the two world wars destroyed liberalism in France. So, for example, my school was created by classical liberals. Uh, Paul Leroy Beaulieu, uh, uh, Jean-Baptiste Say's grandson, was teaching in my school. And so it was uh, really forming the administration and the elite, the, the bureaucrats, and they were convinced by classical liberalism. But after you had the First World War, where the classical gold standard was ended and uh, classical economists some were killed, and same during Second World War. For example, uh, Hayek had a French student uh, Etienne Mantou at uh, the London School of Economics, and he was killed during Second World War. Mm. And so this really influenced bad luck and uh, politic pressures made the um, French classical uh, liberal tradition just disappear through time. And now it's very weak. It's mainly among the young generations that we have a rebirth. Classical liberalism, of course. Oh, when I say liberalism, I mean libertarianism, because in France, we still use the word liberal. How big of a star, how big of a phenomenon is Piketty? Obviously, his book was a big splash in the U.S. Krugman loves the guy, loves his book. Do you think his book represents sort of modern French mainstream thinking? I don't think so, in fact. I think <laughs> the book was more popular in the U.S. than in France ah. because it was published first in France and nobody heard of it. And it's really when it was translated into English that Piketty became like a, this sort of superstar. For example, in my school, you have one economist, uh, Etienne Vasmer, who did one of the first critiques of Piketty based on... Uh, housing and the housing bubble and 
you are one really famous uh, journalist who said that com uh, Piketty was a Marxist, the sous-prefecture. So sous-prefecture is uh, like a political division, you know, you are like regions and uh, departments, right. departments who are like pretty small political entity. So it was, it was very pejorative. It was saying that it's, uh, his book is not good. You have logical errors everywhere. And uh, so you really have a conflict as in the US also really today between mathematician economists and uh, very formal mathematics. And uh, those who call themselves economists, but who are more doing sociology or anthropology mm -hmm. and trying to justify uh, statist policies and socialist style uh, policies. And so was Piketty not a star prior to the publication of this book? I noticed that he, he got a PhD at a very young age from London School of Economics. Well, he, was, he was known because he wrote a book on uh, the evolution of uh, income in France. Right. And it was a pretty known book. But the capital in the 21st century wasn't really this bestseller mm. before it was translated into English in France. So you wrote a, a daily article for Mises.org recently about Krugman, uh, whom we mentioned a moment ago, and he does seem to have a love affair with France in a certain way. And of course, he's been railing against austerity. And, and there's a very uh, amorphous view in the United States what austerity means in certain European countries. I'm not sure that we understand it correctly, but as you point out in the article, there's been no actual reduction in spending or tax levels in France. Well, it's increased, in fact, like both the tax level and the spending. And uh, the French government has just a complete inability to reduce spending, mainly yeah, because government is sort of a tragedy of the commons. Everybody tries to live at the expense of everyone, as would have said Frédéric Bastien. And so today, nothing moves. And uh, it's very hard to reform because if you try to touch a privilege, you have like uh, huge contestations. So even if the government would like to reform, not this one, but even if it was the case, I don't think it will happen because uh, it's too complicated. And so now today, maybe our best chance is really either competition between states, the fiscal competition in Europe, new technologies, for example, uh, Uber or those sort of things. And yes, people basically ignoring the state and doing their thing by, by themselves. Beyond the economics of it, though, do you have a sense that there, that there's a movement in France to reclaim a degree of French uh, sovereignty? In other words, do do people dislike the ECB as a project? Do they dislike the euro? Do they pine for the days of the French franc? I don't think so. I think some are um, critical of the European Union. So you have the far right party, which is pretty weak for now, but. <laughs> I don't think the majority of French wants to end the euro and uh, return to the franc. Right. Uh, I think they don't even see how it's possible now people accepted the euro. And so, yes. But um, clearly, there is more 
contestation um, against uh, the European Union. And so the far right party is growing pretty fast. And I just want to say that it's not only a nationalist party, it's also a very statist party. Right. And they have a lot of similarities with the uh, far, far left, uh, like left wing party. Uh, they are competing for the same electorate with the communist party, basically, and the uh, Mélenchon. So the left front. So you have the left front and the national front and they are competing for the same electorate and they have often quite similar uh, right. ideas on the economy at least. Sure. Protectionism, that sort of thing. Yes. Protectionism, um, what they call so the strategic states, interventionism. In France, you have this uh, myth of Colbert with the 14th minister who was uh, a mercantilist and uh, an interventionist, he nationalized some industries. And what people don't realize that at the time he was completely hated by people. In fact, he wa when he was buried, he was buried in secret because people hated him so much they had to <laughs> do this in secret. So, and he was a very corrupt man. And, uh, yeah. That's funny how history has been like re rewritten because in the 19th century, everybody uh, was agreeing that Colbert and Colbertism was a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And now it's the opposite. Tell us in closing here what you're working on this summer and what you hope to achieve this summer here at the Institute. Okay, so I, I already finished one paper on... Uh, a French uh, classical economist and uh, his views on uh, patents and intellectual property. So his name is Michel Chevalier and he was pretty influential in the second part of the 19th century and he was strongly opposed to the patent system. Mm -hmm. And so now I wrote also several articles for uh, Mrs. Daly about France, about classical liberal tradition in France and now I'm working on uh, railways in the 19th century in France and uh, how well, the state intervention for the railways impaired the second industrial revolution because they gave like huge amount of money and subsidies to private companies railways uh, companies and so a huge amount of like savings were monopolized by the railway sector and so France was uh, very late uh, in the development of electricity or tramways, or all those new technologies at the time. Louis Volney, a summer fellow here at the Mises Institute, thank you so much for your time today. Ladies and gentlemen, have a great weekend. Mm -hmm.